Hello and welcome to D&D Learning the Game. I'm your host Jason DM and this is today's episode which is all about clerics. So, clerics, when you're playing a cleric in D&D, what is your main function? I would say off the bat it's probably that you're going to be uh, the healer, you're going to be dishing some damage, you're going to probably be in the middle of a fight and you're not necessarily going to be always involved in chatting scenarios or you're not going to be the one that's the most proficient during the chatting scenario but saying that, if someone is trying to trick you, your saving throws is in a charisma base so, you know, you might be able to hold off against anyone that's trying to do some kind of weird stuff to you by talking to you but anyway, for those of you that want to read along today I'm reading from page 56 of the player's handbook and it starts as Cleric Arms and eyes upraised towards the sun and a prayer on his lips, an elf begins to glow with an inner light that spills out to heal his battle-worn companions. Chanting a song of glory, a dwarf swings his axe in wide swaths to cut through the ranks of orcs arrayed against him, shouting praise to the gods with every foe's fall. Calling down a curse upon the forces of undead, a human lifts her holy symbol as light pours from it to drive back the zombies crowding in on her companions. Clerics are intermediaries between the mortal world and the distant planes of the gods. As varied as the gods they serve, clerics strive to embody the handiwork of their deities. No ordinary priest, a cleric is imbued with divine magic. So they are considered as healers and warriors. Divine magic, as the name suggests, is the power of the gods flowing from them into the world. Clerics are conduits for that power, manifesting it as miraculous effects. The gods don't grant this power to everyone who seeks it, but only to those chosen to fulfil a high calling. Harnessing divine magic doesn't rely on study or training. A cleric might learn formulaic prayers and ancient rites, but the ability to cast cleric spells relies on devotion and an intuitive sense of a deity's wishes. Clerics combine the helpful magic of healing and inspiring their allies with spells that harm and hinder foes. They can provoke awe and dread, lay curses of plague or poison and even call down flames from heaven to consume their enemies. For those evildoers who will benefit most from a mace to the head, clerics depend on their combat training to let them wade into melee with the power of the gods on their side. So clerics are considered as divine agents. Not every acolyte or efficient at a temple or shrine is a cleric. Some priests are called to a simple life of temple service, carrying out their god's will through prayer and sacrifice not by magic and strength of arms. In some cities, priesthood 
amounts to a political office viewed as a stepping stone to higher positions of authority and involving no communion with a god at all. True clerics are rare in most hierarchies. When a cleric takes up an adventuring life, it is usually because his or her god demands it. Pursuing the gods, the goals of the gods, often involves braving dangers beyond the walls of civilization, smiting evil, or seeking holy relics in ancient tombs. Many clerics are also expected to protect their deities worshippers, which can mean fighting rampaging orcs, negotiating peace between warring nations, or sealing a portal that would allow a demon prince to enter the world. Most adventuring clerics maintain some connection to established temples and orders of their faith. A temple might ask for a cleric's aid, or a high priest might be in a position to demand it. So when you're creating a cleric, as you create a cleric, the most important question to consider is which deity to serve and which principles you want your character to embody. So Appendix B includes a list of many of the gods of the multiverse. Check with your DM to learn which deities are in your campaign. Once you've chosen a deity, consider your cleric's relationship to that god. Did you enter this service willingly or did the God choose you, impelling you into the service with no regard for your wishes? How do the temple priests of your faith regard you, as a champion or a troublemaker? What are your ultimate goals? Does your deity have a special task in mind for you, or are you striving to to prove yourself worthy of a great quest? So a quick build. You can make a cleric quickly by following these suggestions. First, wisdom should be your highest ability score, followed by your strength or constitution. Second, choose the acolyte background. So class features. As a cleric, you gain the following class features. Hit points. So your hit dice will be a 1d8 and hit points at first level will be 8 plus your constitution modifier and then hit points at higher levels will be 1d8 or 5 plus your constitution modifier per cleric level after first. So straight away from that, uh, looking at the hit points for a cleric, you are not the squishiest, but you're not the hardiest. So when you're playing a cleric, you at first level, you will be able to be killed easier than a barbarian, but you will be able to survive a heavier hit than, say, a wizard. Proficiencies. So clerics are proficient in light armor, medium armor, shields. Their weapons are simple weapons and their tools are none. Bear in mind that it's only simple weapons that you get to pick from, so make sure that you're checking in the player's handbook or at least typing into Google so that you know the difference between simple weapons and martial weapons. It's very easy to accidentally pick a martial weapon and I understand it might be quite nitpicky, but make sure that you're picking a simple weapon unless stated otherwise with your background. Or if you choose to go a different kind of variant, or if your DM agrees with it, that's fine. But ultimately, I think I think that the martial weapons can have a better hit die. So if your DM's wanting your character to be as leveled out as possible and present the challenge that it's supposed to with a cleric, because when clerics are allowed to have higher level weapons, they actually end up 
uh, being way stronger and it can mean that they're a little bit OP but or overpowered <laughs> just in case you don't know what OP means um yeah so they can be a little bit overpowered with their um martial weapons but again look don't don't take my word for it if you want to have a pretty beast in character you are a hero you're allowed to be overpowered um there should be nothing holding you back from being able to use martial weapons and by no means will martial weapons mean that you you suddenly win the game constantly uh, saving throws so your saving throws will be wisdom and charisma so you can mark that and if you've got the the player sheet in front of you and your skills so you choose two from history insight medicine persuasion and religion equipment you start with the following equipment and a addition to the equipment granted by your background <clears throat> excuse me i'm losing my voice so you'll start with a mace or a warhammer if you're proficient you'll start with scale mail or leather mail or chain mail if proficient you'll start with a light crossbow and 20 bolts or any simple weapon you'll start with a priest pack or an explorer's pack and you'll always start with a shield and a holy symbol next page so let's see looking at the i'm going to go back actually to page 57 looking at the features for a cleric so i'm only going to cover the first three levels here so you will always have a proficiency bonus of plus two at first level you gain spell casting and divine domain you will start with two first level spell slots and you'll know three cantrips you will only know three cantrips through levels 1, 2 and 3. At second level you gain the ability to channel divinity once per rest and you also gain a divine domain feature which I'll cover in a second. And at second level your first level spell slots go up by 1 so you can now cast 3. And then at third level you gain two second level spell slots and will have four first level spell slots. Just in case you're starting at level 3. So spell ca casting. As a conduit for divine power, you can cast cleric spells. See chapter 10 for the general rules and spell casting and chapter 11 for the cleric spell list. Again, you could type into Google just to see what the rules on spell casting are. And also get the cleric spell list. So cantrips. At first level, you know three cantrips of your choice from the cleric spell list. You learn additional cleric cantrips of your choice at higher levels, as shown in the cantrips known column of the cleric table. It doesn't tell you in the quick build which cantrips to take, so I guess the, the, the choice is yours. So it says again, you learn additional cleric cantrips of your choice at higher levels. You know three cantrips of your choice from the cleric spell list. So yeah, you get to choose three as a cantrip. Um, preparing and casting spells. The cleric table shows how many spell slots you have to cast your spells at first level or higher. To cast one of these spells, you must expend a spell slot. 
um, of the spells level or higher, you regain all expended spell slots when you finish a long rest. You prepare the list of cleric spells that are available for you to cast, choosing from the cleric spell list. When you do so, choose a number of cleric spells equal to your wisdom modifier plus your cleric level, minimum of one spell. So the spells must be of a level for which you have spell slots. For example, if you are a third level cleric, you have four first level and two second level spell slots. With a wisdom of 16, your list of prepared spells can include six spells of first or second level in any combination. If you prepare a first level spell, Cure Wounds, you can cast it using a first level or second level slot. Casting the spell doesn't remove it from your list of prepared spells. You can change your list of prepared spells when you finish a long rest, and preparing a new list of cleric spells requires time spent in prayer and meditation, at least one minute per spell level for each spell on your list. So you would do that before you set off on your journey. Just make sure that you note it with your DM if they're requiring you to do it, so that you're not having to do it as you're about going into a battle. Spell casting ability. So wisdom is your spell casting ability for your cleric spells. The power of your spells comes from your devotion to your deity. You can use your wisdom whenever a cleric spell refers to your spell casting ability. In addition, you use your wisdom modifier when setting the saving throw DC for a cleric spell you cast and when making an attack roll with one. So for instance, spell save DC is eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your wisdom modifier so at first level that's going to be eight plus two plus whatever your wisdom modifier is then spell attack modifier is your proficiency bonus plus your wisdom modifier so it'll be two at first level second level and third level so always be plus two plus your wisdom modifier for your spell attack modifier so if you cast something like say a ranged spell attack and it requires you to make a ranged spell attack you'll be able to add this number to that attack roll to see if it hits or not um, again your spell save dc if you cast something that the player that you're doing it against has to make a saving throw it will be eight plus two plus whatever your wisdom modifier is for them to be able to save against that Ritual casting. You can cast a cleric spell as a ritual if that spell has the ritual tag to it and you have the spell prepared. Spell casting focus. You can use a holy symbol found in chapter 5 as a spell casting focus for your cleric spells. So, divine domains. There's quite a lot to go over here. So, again, for each of these, I'm only going to talk about um, the uh, levels 1, 2 and 3 for them. Um, so that means quite a few of them mention what happens at first and third level so I'll cover that and then just move on to the next one but ultimately so at Divine Domain you choose one domain related to your deity now you're, you do that I start off with yep so you get that at first level so you choose either knowledge, life, light, nature, tempest, trickery or war. Each domain is detailed at the end of the class description and each one provides examples of gods associated with it. Your choice grants you domain spells and other features when you choose it at first level. It also grants you additional ways to use channel to the divinity when you gain that feature at second level. You also gain additional benefits at 6th, 8th and 17th levels. 
domain spells. Each domain has a list of spells, it's domain spells that you gain at the cleric levels noted in the domain description. Uh, once you gain a domain spell, you always have it prepared and it doesn't count against the number of spells that you can prepare each day. If you have a domain spell that doesn't appear on the cleric spell list, the spell is nonetheless a cleric spell for you. So, channel divinity. At second level, you gain the ability to channel divine energy directly through your deity using the energy to fuel magical effects. Uh, you start with two such effects, turn undead and an effect determined by your domain. Some domains grant you additional effects as you advance in levels as noted in the domain description. When you use your channel divinity, you choose which effect to create. You must then finish a short or long rest to use your channel divinity. Again, some channel divinity effects require saving throws. When you use such an effect from the class, the DC equals your cleric spell save DC. Beginning at sixth level, you can use your channel divinity, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to worry about that. And channel divinity turn undead. So let's start getting into the meat and potatoes of this. So channel divinity turn undead. As an action, you present your holy symbol and speak a prayer censoring the undead. Each undead that can see or hear you within 30 feet of you must make a wisdom saving throw. If that creature fails its saving throw, it is turned for one minute or until it takes any damage. A turned creature must spend its turn trying to move as far away from you as can and it can't willingly move to a space within 30 feet of you. It also can't take reactions. For its action, it can only use the dash action or try to escape from an effect that prevents it from moving. If there's nowhere to move, the creature can use the dodge action. So that ability score, uh, sorry, so ability score improvements will only really come in at 4th level and then again at 8th, 12th, etc, etc, etc. Um, you don't need to worry about that now if we're only looking at levels 1 to 3. Destroy Undead only comes in at 5th level. So let's go straight to Divine Domains. So in a pantheon, every deity has influence over different aspects of mortal life and civilization called a deity's domain. All the domains over which a deity has influence are called the deity's portfolio. Each example, the portfolio of the Greek god Apollo, includes domains of knowledge, life and light. As a cleric, you choose one aspect of your deity's portfolio to emphasize and you are granted powers related to that domain. Your choice might correspond to a particular sect dedicated to your deity. Apollo, for example, could be worshipped in one region as Phobius, Radiant Apollo, emphasising his influence over the light domain, and in a different place as Apollo, Asseus, which is considered as healing, emphasising his association with the life domain. Alternatively, your choice of domain could simply be a matter of personal preference, the aspect of the deity that appears to you most appeals to you most. Each domain's description gives examples of deities who have influence over that domain. Gods are included from the worlds of the Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Dragonlands and Eberron campaign settings, as well as from the Celtic, Greek, Norse and Egyptian pantheons of antiquity. Antiquity, sorry, I don't know what that word is. 
It's the first time I've ever seen that. <laughs> so, knowledge domain. The gods of knowledge, including Ogma, Bokob, Gilean, Orion, and Thoth, value learning and understanding above all. Some teach that knowledge is to be gathered and shared in libraries and universities or promote the practical knowledge of craft and invention. Some deities hoard knowledge and keep its secrets to themselves and some promise their followers that they will gain tremendous power if they unlock the secrets of the multiverse. Following of these gods study esoteric lore, collect old tomes, delve into the secret places of the earth and learn all they can. Some gods of knowledge promote the practical knowledge of craft and invention including smith deities like Gond, Rerex, etc etc etc. Knowledge domain spells, so at first and third level. First level you'll have command and identify. At third level you'll have augury and suggestion. You'll also have blessings of knowledge. At first level you gain, you learn two languages of your choice. You also become proficient in your choice of two of the following skills. Arcana, history, nature, religion. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make that uses either of those skills. Channel Divinity Knowledge of the Ages Starting at second level, you can use your channel divinity to tap into a divine well of knowledge. As an action, you choose one skill or tool for 10 minutes. You have proficiency with the chosen skill or tool. Okay. Just need to change over page now, page 60. Um... So, reading on to the Life Domain. The Life Domain focuses on the vibrant positive energy, one of the fundamental forces of the universe that sustains all life. The, go- the gods of life promote vitality and health through healing the sick and wounded, caring for those in need, and driving away the forces of death and undeath. Almost any non-evil deity can claim influence over this domain, particularly agricultural deities. Uh, sun gods and gods of healing or endurance and gods of home and community. So life domain spells. You gain at first level bless and cure wounds and then at third lesser restoration and spiritual weapon. Proficiency bonus. When you choose this domain at first level you gain proficiency with heavy armour. Discipline of life. Also starting at first level your healing spells are more effective whenever you use a spell of first level or higher to restore hit points to a creature. The creature regains an additional hit points equal to 2 plus the spell's level. Channel Divinity, Preverse, Persevere, Life. Starting at second level you can use your channel Divinity to heal the badly injured. As an action, you present your holy symbol and evoke healing energy that can restore a number of hit points equal to five times your cleric level. Whoa, that's pretty amazing. Choose any creatures within 30 feet of you and divide those hit points among them. This feature can restore a creature to no more than half of its hit point maximum. You can't use this feature on an undead or a construct. Light Domain Gods of light, including Helm, etc, 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 promote the ideals of rebirth and renew, tr- renewal, truth, v- vigilance and beauty, often using the symbol of the sun. Some of these gods are portrayed as the sun itself or as a charioteer, charioteer who guides the sun across the sky. Others are 
tireless sentinels whose eyes pierce every shadow and see through every deception. Some are deities of beauty and artistry who teach that art is a vehicle for the soul's improvement. Clerics of a god of light are enlightened souls infused with radiance and the power of their gods, discerning vision, charged with chasing away lies and burning away darkness. So, uh, light domain spells at first level you gain burning hands and fairy fire and then at third level you gain flaming sphere and scorching ray. Bonus cantrip, when you choose this domain at first level you gain the light cantrip if you don't already know it. And then wandering flare, also at first level you can interpose divine light between yourself and an attacking enemy. When you are attacked by a creature within 30 feet of you, you that you can see, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on the attack roll, causing light to flare before the attacker, before it hits or misses. An attacker that can't be blinded is immune to this feature. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier, a minimum of at least once, and you regain all expended uh, uses when you finish a long rest. You can also channel your divinity, Radiance of the Dawn, Starting at second level, you can use your channel divinity to harness sunlight, banishing darkness and dealing radiant damage to your foes. As an action, you present your holy symbol and any magical darkness within 30 feet of you is dispelled. Additionally, each hostile creature within 30 feet of you must make a constitution saving throw. A creature takes radiant damage equal to 2d10 plus your cleric level on a failed saving throw and half as much damage on a successful one. A creature that has total cover from you is not affected. Next up is the nature domain. Gods of nature are varied as the natural world itself, from inscrutable gods of the deep forests to friendly deities associated with particular springs and groves. Druids revere nature as a whole and might serve one of these deities practicing mysteries rites and reciting all but forgotten prayers in their own secret tongues. So let's just skip ahead to the nature domain spells. Cleric level at first you gain animal friendship and speak with animals and then at third level you gain bark skin bark skin and spike growth. <laughs> Struggling to say that there. Over to the next page. So, an acolyte of nature is also something that you gain with this one. So, at first level, you learn one druid cantrip of your choice. You also gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice animal handling, nature, or survival. Bonus proficiency. Also, at first level, you gain proficiency with heavy armor. And then channel divinity, charm animals and plants. Starting second level, you can use your channel divinity to charm animals and plants. As an action, you present your holy symbol and invoke the name of your deity. Each beast or plant creature that can see you within 30 feet of you must make a wisdom saving throw. If the creature fails at saving throw, it is charmed for by you for one minute or until it takes damage. While it's charmed by you, it's friendly to you and other creatures you designate. So the Tempest Domain gods whose portfolios include the Tempest Domain include Talos, etc, 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 Thor, govern storms, sea and sky. They include gods of lightning, thunder, gods of earthquake, some fire gods and certain gods of violence and physical strength and courage. So what they gain? 
At first level you gain Fog, Cloud and Thunder Wave and then at third level you gain Gust of Wind and Shatter. So the bonus proficiencies that they gain at first level you gain proficiency with martial weapons and heavy armor. Wrath of the Storm also at first level you can thunderously rebuke attackers with a creature within five feet of you that and that you can see hits you with an attack you can use your reaction to cause the creature to make a dexterity saving throw the creature takes a 2d8 lightning or thunder damage of your choice on a failed saving throw and half as much damage on a successful one you can use this feature a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier a minimum of once you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest your channel divinity is destructive wrath so starting at second level you can use your channel divinity to wield the power of the storm with unchecked ferocity when you roll lightning or thunder damage you can use your channel divinity to deal maximum damage instead of rolling so the trickery domain Gods of trickery, such as Timora, Bashaba, etc., 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 are mischief makers and instigators who stand as a constant challenge to the accepted order among both gods and mortals. They're patrons of thieves, scoundrels, gamblers, rebels, and liberators. Their clerics are a destructive force in the world puncturing pride and mocking tyrants and stealing from the rich, freeing captives and flouting hollow traditions. So, trickery domain spells. First level you gain charm person and disguise self and then at third level you gain mirror image and pass without trace. Blessing of the Trickster. Starting when you choose this domain at first level, you can use your action to touch a willing creature other than yourself to give it advantage on dexterity stealth checks. This blessing lasts for one hour or until you use this feature again. Channel Divinity. Invoke Duplicity. Starting at second level, you can use your Channel Divinity to create a illusory duplicate of yourself. As an action, you create a perfect illusion of yourself that lasts for one minute or until you lose your concentration or if you were as as if you were con concentrating on a spell. The illusion appears in an unoccupied space that you can see within 30 feet of you. As a bonus action on your turn, you can move the illusion up to 30 feet to a space you can see, but it must remain within 120 feet of you. For the duration, you can cast spells as though you were in the illusion space, but you must use your own senses. Additionally, when both you and your illusion are within 5 feet of a creature that can see the illusion, you have advantage on attack rolls against that creature, given how distracting the illusion is on the target. Next up is the War Domain. War has many ma manifestations. It can make heroes of ordinary people. It can be desperate and horrific with acts of cruelty and cowardice eclipsing instances of excellence and courage. In either case, the gods of war watch over warriors and reward them for their great deeds. The clerics of such gods excel in battle, inspiring others to fight the good fight uh, or offering acts of violence as prayers. Gods of war include champions of honour and chivalry uh, as well as gods of destruction and pillage and gods of conquest and domination. Other war gods 
take a more neutral stance promoting war in all its manifestations and supporting warriors in any circumstance. So at first level you gain divine favour and shield of faith and then at third level you gain magic weapon and spiritual weapon. So bonus proficiencies. At first level you gain proficiency with martial weapons and heavy armour. As a war priest from first level your god delivers bolts of inspiration to you while you are engaged in battle. When you use the attack action you can make one weapon attack as a bonus action. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier. You regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Starting at second level you can use your channel divinity to strike with supernatural accuracy. This is called guided strike. When you make an attack roll you can use your channel divinity to gain a plus 10 bonus to your roll. You make this choice after you see the roll but before the DM says whether the attack hits or misses. And that is that. So clerics I would say clerics have a lot to learn when you're first playing them and for newcomers to the game clerics can be quite intimidating because there's a lot of words to memorize <laughs> and a lot to take down but it's it's a lot of the writing here for the cleric after reading over it there within what about 30 minutes reading over it it really comes down to just making a, dis a few decisions you do not need to remember all these different spells that are associated with clerics and that might be why people were initially intimidated by them clerics in my personal opinion are probably some of the most powerful uh, combatants in the game if not the most powerful combatant uh, class in the game next to paladins in that they have a tremendous amount of abilities and spells and variation it's as if someone took a paladin and went nah i want more variety with i want more spells and when i eventually cover the paladin that it will make that clear but for now looking at the cleric I mean, even reading over that, like you could have a full gang of just clerics playing D and D. <laughs> if everyone in the group says, "Oh yeah, we're all just going to be clerics," I I wouldn't be annoyed at that because you have so many different domains that you can pick from, which give you so many different uh, spells of different styles. So you have your knowledge, you have your war, you have your trickery, and all of these. So spells can be really powerful in both combat and in also the conversations that you're having. And it's clear that some clerics are wanting that and, and someone's created the domain for that. Where quite a lot of these different little spells that you gain are actually things that become really handy to have when you're in the conversation side of things, such as the nature domain having the ability to speak with animals and animal friendship you know that's something that you don't get with certain when you're a warrior for instance you know but 
The clerics are always seen as the, the kind of fighters, but they are the healers. The cleric, <laughs> I have so many opinions on a cleric, it, it, and they're all positive. I, I really, I enjoy the idea of playing a cleric, but I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of variety here, and for a new player, if you're new and that you're coming in to play a cleric, and if I could give you advice on which one to pick, it would probably be uh, the war domain, because it's probably the easiest. But if you prefer trickery, go for that. If you want to be if you want to be more of a fighter cleric, then you probably want to go for tempest or war domain. If you're wanting to be someone that's kind of involved more in the conversation side of it, go for trickery or go for the nature domain. Life, if you want to be the healer, and then light, if you just want to be, a, a, again, like a, a fighter, really. You have a lot to understand in terms of your spell casting, so you have cantrips as well as spells, so you have lots to pick from. But take your time with it. And I'm sure that you'll be able to piece it all together within roughly about an hour of putting all of this down on a piece of paper. And again, you've got your DM there to help you. If you're struggling with any of this new information, ask the players around about you and ask your DM. Again, a lot of these rules and different things that are here are also up for debate, but I made a whole point at the, at the start of this about um, using martial weapons, but again, there's the war domain. As soon as you pick that, you, you now gain the ability to use martial weapons as well as heavy armour. You'll also have a shield. Your AC, <laughs> your uh, so your armour class as a cleric can be quite high. <laughs> and and they, they probably will be some of the hardest to hit next to the paladin of the group. So you probably, as a cleric, will always be leading at the front. A cleric is Probably I've just hit it there with that last sentence. A cleric is someone who should be a leader. They should be at the front. They should be for the person that's looking to just be involved in the game as much as possible. And that is that. If you're going to be picking cleric, good luck. I really hope that you that you really enjoy playing that that class because I think uh, as an introductory class, it can be tough, but once you get your head around it, you will probably have one of the best games that you've ever played because you will be so involved. There won't there won't be any time for you to sit out because everything about your cleric will be so relevant to whatever's being discussed or dealt with or even just in the middle of a fight. You are so relevant. You are so important to the group that, yeah... Um, that you will get the most from a game of Dungeons and Dragons when you play a cleric. Anyway, that is today's episode. I really, really appreciate you giving me your time, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you've got any suggestions or if you want to get in touch in any way, please uh, add me to Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at jasondm14. You can also find the adventures that i've been writing they're up on the dm's guild just go and have a look on there and you'll see if you put in jason dm or my most recent adventure was the tomb of the headstone helm 5e that is completely free uh, but if you do decide to give any money towards it 
it all goes towards charity. Um, I hope you're having a great day and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.